Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Today on Irishman Running Abroad, Sonia and I chat to the Irish journalist and ex-runner Cahal Dennehy about his trip to Kenya to learn about the life and training of the greatest marathoner of all time, Iliad Kipchoge. What, if anything, can us normals learn from this superhuman and how he goes about his training? In a week when I joined my first ever track club and Sonia returned to Oregon to join back up with the Nike Elite Training Group, we will also look at the benefits of track sessions each week and what you can do if you don't have access to a track yourself. Sonia, was it a crazy Halloween over there? <laughs> I feel like it's it's not a holiday here in England as much as it is in Ireland. I guess because we brought it to the world but the first place it took off was america so you must have been right in the thick of it were you oh it was every from like the minute i arrived last week in new york even they were getting ready you know and <laughs> there was uh, you know the kind of ses- sesame street houses you know the ones with lots of steps so yeah, yeah yeah there was just the decorations were unbelievable and and even back that was over a week ago and the kids were already ha- i suppose having days where they got dressed up going to school <laughs> yeah and then last last night when I was coming back on Halloween night and you know in the middle of the University of Washington and there's just students all over the place you know dressed in every possible costume you could imagine no I love it, it. Was, yeah it was very it's real freaky <laughs> yeah like I just think it's so uh it's such a break from the norm that I, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't throw themselves into it. I had my own nightmare, actually, on Halloween itself, when people in the UK will know who are listening that we had torrential rain in the morning of Halloween uh, this past Sunday. And for some reason, even though I knew that the sun was going to come out at 11 o'clock and the rest of the day would be beautiful, for some reason, I took a notion this is when I'll go for my run. I'm so hardcore. I'll go out in the pissings of rain. (laughs) I mean, do you ever have a run, Sonia, where it all goes wrong from the word go and you nearly think (laughs) five kilometres in, I should just go back and pretend this never happened and do it later? Because, I mean, everything that went wrong, I got splashed by a car. I got water in the watch. The watch, the watch. Well, you know, you shouldn't be going for a run when your watch doesn't want to go for the run. (laughs) The watch wouldn't record it, just wasn't interested in historically documenting this moment. And I just couldn't, couldn't get the thing to work, couldn't get the run to work, couldn't get my brain to work. Was there something terribly disheartening about realising, well, this is all for nothing. This is never going to be tracked. Reminding yourself the whole time, it's not about the watch. But then when I'm trying to log these 2000 kilometres for this charity thing that I'm doing for Jigsaw.ie, it is uniquely disheartening, not helped by the fact that this was west of Ireland rain. I'm sure you're going to see plenty of rain in Oregon this winter. But you know what I'm talking about, like the west of Ireland rain that kind of comes from underneath your chin and is accompanied by wind from all angles. It was not pleasant. Can you associate with that kind of an experience on a runner? Is it just me? 
No, I've I've been there, done that. <laughs> I think I think wherever you are in the world, at some point you will get this torrential rain, and you know it comes at a time when you have to go for your run. And the the thing I one actually last week there was a lot of rain, but I managed to escape. But it somehow was overnight. Don't mm. you love it when it rains really heavy overnight? And then you get up and it just kind of clears up a little bit and you think, this is just great. <laughs> the rain is doing its job here. Yeah, yeah. But I can I can often remember running in Melbourne in Australia in really heavy rain, like heavier than anything you'd experience anywhere. And the water is just hopping off the ground and trying to have headphones in, you know, and there's water in your ears and they just get waterlogged. You have to give up. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> And then you're trying to save your phone from getting, you know, waterlogged. Well, there's a question, isn't it? Do, do you do you turn around in that experience? I think it's come up a couple of times where if you get your pacing completely wrong, that there is an argument for actually going, no, no, let's call it. I messed this one up. Would you ever be able no, to that? I think once you start, you know, you have to keep going. And I think mm. that's the thing about running in the rain is that it's always nicer to head out the door before it starts raining because you're warmed up and then it rains and then you come home. The hardest thing is to head out the door when you're looking out at the sheet and rain coming down. But then it's a bit like when you go for a run and there's puddles everywhere and you're trying to avoid them and then you step in one. And as soon as you step in one, then, then you know, it's all over then. There's no more <laughs> dodging puddles. You just run through everything. Yeah, forget it. Yeah, get the tractors going. Just accept going. it, you know, and go yeah. for it. You got yeah. speaking of kit, you got it looked like you got all kitted out this uh, weekend up in Washington. Did you get a, a free bit of swag, as they call it over there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Sophie, Sophie, she saved up a little bit for me, you know, and uh, I had I had one T-shirt that I had since the last time I was here. And um, because I try to travel light these days, mm. so I just bring like a little bit of everything. I do a lot of washing. <laughs> so I had one long sleeve T-shirt and it happened to be the University of Washington. And um, I was meeting up with Sophie and her team were going for a run. Um, well, we were meeting up in the same place anyway. And uh, and they went for a run and then I ran along um, behind. And it was a lovely, absolutely amazing morning, but it was so cold. You know, those really yeah, cold, crisp, beautiful autumn days though you know the sky is blue and the the, the sun is reflect yeah the sun is reflecting off the leaves when you're running and it's just amazing mm. so it was a really it was a run where you just enjoy being out there and um and i actually had a similar experience on saturday when before i drove up here i was going to have a day off and have a bit of a rest but you know i think when you're in a place where it rains a lot, when you have these like days where it's not raining and it's dry and clear and the sun is shining, you just have to go outside and enjoy it and appreciate it. And Saturday, of course, as you know, is park run day. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I'm not too keen on going to the park run when it's sheeting rain. So this is the perfect day. And it was Halloween park run. They were all dressed up. <laughs> I said, you came dressed as Sonia Sullivan. <laughs> The, the only dressing up I had was I had a headband on and my hair was just like I couldn't see my hair, but I could because when as long as I don't have it in my face, I'm happy. So I didn't bother tying it up, but it was wild. You know, it was like it was like a Halloween costume. It was so high with the wind. <laughs> I send you a picture later. You'll have a good laugh. <laughs> How did it go? So actually... This is the park room where I met some Irish people the last time. And this time there was an Irish girl. She went past me. 
oh, it was like on the way out, it was into the wind uphill. And I was, of course, charging, leading the way. <laughs> and she went, we she blew around. by you. And was this a I'm going to blow by Sonia Sullivan moment that you often experience from over enthusiastic um, runners? I don't not totally know because she wasn't sure. But then when I did get to the end, she was like, I think she must have wondered at one point. And then she did. Oh, so you, you are Sonia yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think she quite she questioned herself. It was a girl. She had come out from Ireland only a few weeks ago. And um, she told me there's a whole load of people coming out to work at Intel in Beaverton in Oregon over the next few weeks. So, yeah, I'll probably be bumping into Irish people in the supermarket soon. From League Slip to Beaverton, Oregon. Wow, this is the this is this is the shift back and forth that so many people are moving around. I heard from other listeners in Hong Kong this week who will be uh, moving to Singapore with the hope of getting home more. I mean, this is the challenge and we're that we're all hoping to get back for Christmas and hoping that nothing changes. I know you're going to get back for that world cross country and our hope is as well that we'll put together a little Irishman running abroad easy run for that time. Well, the opposite of easy running is what I experienced last Tuesday when I joined up for my first ever track session with the St Albans Striders, my my very own track club, as you've been telling me to do and the listeners have been telling me to do for months and months, that you won't know yourself when you're doing this as a team activity. And boy, oh boy, it's what's precipitated this episode, or at least the first half of this episode, is just a discussion of the benefit of these track sessions because up till now I'd been doing them on my own with your instruction obviously Sonia would give me the little note of what to run how long to run for at what pace in what direction and uh, on what day but lord the experience of doing it with the group I'm gonna need to bring the mics down there this week I couldn't get over what speed we were running at but what was strange, Sonia, was that it didn't feel fast when we were doing it. It was only afterwards, looking at the data from the watch, which we know isn't 100% accurate, that I was like, oh, oh, the group really does make you run faster. Is that the first benefit that we talk about here when we talk about suggesting to our listeners in the inclusion of a, a track or an interval session at a track with a group of people is that is that really under the category of first and foremost when you run with people at a track you're going to run harder a hundred percent and i think that's you know something that when people ask you about track sessions they always think you're going to it's fast running but what it really is is just running with people and you know you get more out of yourself when you're with people and it reminds me of back in i think it was 19 96 and 97 when I first started going to King's Meadow track in southwest London so it was near Kingston upon Thames and Alan Story had a, a training group there right and you know all these all these training groups are very similar in that you get a kind of an eclectic mix of all sorts of people you know I mean mm. I don't know if there was any re- really fast runners down in your group but there was probably some on the track maybe when you were down there oh, and you wouldn't even know yeah yeah uh, and, you know, you can all start off together. You're all doing the same thing. And then you all kind of branch off into little groups and you find your group. And they're the ones that you kind of, you know, you, you get stuck in with them. And once you're part of the group, you don't want to let them let them go. 
and I found like because there would be so many people down there you wouldn't know everybody's name you know it'd take you a while to figure them all out and who they were and what they were doing and you'd remember them by their style of running or you know one piece of clothing that they might wear mm-hmm. like someone might wear you know a headband or something or you know they might always wear an orange shirt <laughs> Because <laughs> people do that, they have their favorite track session shirt. No, hundred percent. I know. I know the orange shirt that I was chasing the whole time. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of your beacon, you know, of mm. like hope, I suppose, that keeps keeps you in the group, and then I suppose wants you to come back for more. And you go down there, and it's a little bit unknown. You don't know what you're going to do when you go yourself. You kind of in your head, you know what you're going to do, so you've got yourself psyched up for it. So you just have to kind of allow yourself to just give in to whatever has been, you know, prescribed on the night and, you know, go with it. And and, that, and it was great that you did that, I think, and experience that because that's the true kind of meaning of a track session when you actually meet up with people. Mm. And, and, you know, some people, they meet up and they don't necessarily run at a track all the time. A track just is an easy place to contain it. And, you know, the coach sees you coming around every lap so they can assess what's going on. And, uh, and and provide a bit of encouragement. Did you, did you get a bit of that from the sidelines? Well, yeah, look, I mean, the entire vibe is the encouragement that I w- fell in love with immediately, too. Like, I hear your point about there's multiple rabbits, that even if the person that you were chasing <laughs> for the first lap becomes, you know, a sensation and starts joining the front group, there's always another one that you can be chasing. Whereas when you're down there on your own, you are literally chasing a ghost, an image of yourself that should be running faster or the thought of being faster. But there's actually the visualization of somebody quicker than you right there. And you are, as you say, measuring people up. There is, you know, that dude's twice my age. How is he running this fast? I can surely catch him. <laughs> uh, and all of this motivational, personal stuff comes into it. I get, though, that there are going to be people listening to this going, well, I don't have, you know, City like St Albans, which is, you know, there's 400 plus members of St Albans Striders, I realise now, which is a massive amount of people. There was 100 people at the track that night. If you're somebody who doesn't have uh, the track or the running facility like that available to you, I know that you grew up running around fields. Is the local GA pitch as good as any? Oh, it is, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody can find their kind of, I suppose, the area that is a a bit of a fixed measurement where, you you know, your loop or, you know, small loops that you can do. You know, when we used to do the track sessions in Kingsmeadow in the wintertime, we wouldn't do the track every night. We'd only do that every fourth week. And in the other days, we would go to a road circuit. Mm -hmm. And so there'd be little loops in different places that you would run to. And, you know, sometimes they weren't even fixed measurements. I mean, there was one way we used to run near Richmond Park. And you'd fly in down from Hamgate down to, I think, the, the Kingston Road, run across the bottom and then back in through the woods. And it was this kind of a bit of a dark loop. But you were running into the unknown nearly at times. But you knew how long it took. Yeah. So you knew, I think it was around, it was around 1,200 metres and um, I think if you ran, you know, under four minutes, that was pretty quick. Um, if you ran close to 3.45, you were going really quick. And then if you ran slower than four minutes, it was a bit slower, at <laughs> more steady pace. So you kind of had the measure was in relation to effort and time rather than time and distance. 
And I, I actually did a session myself last week at the track in Villanova. And part of the session was to do 1,000 metres. And I was trying to get as close to four minutes as I could. And there's so much pressure when you have to try and hit a time. <laughs> yeah. And then after doing the one, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know, there's just a bit more pressure on you to, to meet, I suppose, the requirement. But then in between the one kilometre efforts, there was four times one minute with one minute off. And it was more of a fart like kind of bit. Mm. And I could feel like I could relax in that a bit more because there was no pressure to do a certain amount of distance in the minute. Um, you could go as fast as you like or as slow as you like, but, you know, you're just putting in a good hard effort and then taking a minute rest in between. So I think, you know, that is a benefit to not being on a track, a measured track, in that I suppose the accountability is less when you go with time. Mm. And even though it's good to go there and have a bit of a check in and to to know where you're at, it's also good to do these kind of off track sessions where it's all about the effort. And particularly, you know, in the winter time when the weather is often not great, wind and rain is you know, the wind can throw everything, you know, so you go out there and you're trying to run a certain pace, but you could be killing yourself running into the wind. Whereas if you have the measure of just time and and even heart rate is a good one to have. If you can work out what your kind of threshold heart rate is for longer sessions, then you can do them anywhere. And, you know, I think one a good measure is something like if you can work out how long it takes you to run a mile, so you could go to the track once. How long does it take you to run a mile at, a, you know, a good hard effort? And then you go with that time. So if it's, you know, for example, when I was going, I suppose, really fast, it would be maybe five minutes per mile. Mm-hmm. So then you would do a five, a five minute effort. And then for a half mile, you might do a two and a half minute effort. Um, but, you know, nowadays I would probably go for maybe seven minutes hard and then three and a half minutes for that would be approximately 800 meters and then you'd go what so 130 145 for 400 so 140 maybe for 400 so you just work out times that you go hard for and 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 sometimes it's simpler to keep it simple and do efforts like three minutes two minutes one minutes and then take one minute break in between you know just to kind of break it up a little bit so it becomes more of a fartlet than a fixed you know, distance and time session. And you can do that anywhere. You could do it uh, in a park. You can do it in a in a field. Fields are good, but, you know, sometimes they get a bit wet in the wintertime. I was actually really impressed this week. Um, Ronaldo Field at Nike. I was thinking, what's that going to be like in the wintertime? And I went for a run around over there. And they, they were out there with the rollers, you know, like the steam roller. Yeah, squeezing Probably off the wet. The squeezing the water out of it so it was perfect so i think it's good to go for the winter oh, no matter how much rain we get out there yeah that is so a concern I, I know that is a concern for people especially where uh local ga pitches with not brilliant drainage are you know kind of protected for the use of the local team so that they get the best out of it but our subject today is really what can we learn from the likes of Iliad Kipchoge and the elites, what what can be learned and the track session and everything you've described here and the benefits of them, I think are as much from what I could tell, as much as they're about the physical learning that your body can do just mentally, the effort, as you say, of, you know, pushing hard for the 1000 metres and then being aware that I could go fast 
while resting, kind of not having that rehearsed or practiced in my head that uh, even familiarizing yourself with the idea of almost, I guess, Barcelona would call it resting in possession of the ball, kind of keeping it at a pace that sustains your contact with the group while not completely resting. I mean, uh, am I making sense here? But these are things that I had done as a new runner or as a normal person running that I'd imagine that elite runners do all the time without really thinking about. Well, you probably, when you went to the track last week, you probably got a better feel for what an interval session really is Mm. and how people recover between the fast efforts. And I think that's the thing is, you know, you can go hard as you like for, you know, 800 metres or three minutes or two minutes, but you know there's a rest coming at the end of it. Yes. So you recover and then you're ready to go again. Exactly. And so that's the the interesting thing about it is it breaks down your run and I think that's a really kind of interesting thing for people who start out running is when they discover that you don't have to just run out the door every day as fast as you can that you can actually go out and warm up nice and easy and then then you can stop and you can decide okay I'm doing my session now and it's broken up into pieces so you run fast for a certain amount of time and you jog and you run fast and you jog and this all adds up and it just kind of takes away the kind of monotony of just going for a run. And it breaks your run up into pieces. And then you have your 15 minutes jog home as well for the warm down. Um, I noticed they don't do massive big warm downs at St. Albans or warm ups. <laughs> uh, no, I do- think it's because the track time is is quite limited in that they, they have their 60 minutes. The uh, athletes okay. that I've been seeing down there on my alone days were straight in after us. It was interesting to hear the difference in the coaching, that our coaches were just so kind of, let's all have fun and uh, do our runs. <laughs> I think the last words I heard from the coach, coaching the elite athletes was, now you know better than that. You know better than that, that that lap was slower. And as the more experienced runner, you should be leading this. <laughs> I was like, oh, yikes. <laughs> that's, that's what real running coaching sounds like. I'll just pat, potter off here to the car. But I did think that, yeah, you're right. We probably need to cool down. There was definitely a stretch and a bit of a cool down afterwards. I'm but fascinated by it, though. The, go ahead. Do you think some people do? Some people run to the track, maybe yeah, from home. This, the, that was definitely and, uh, and run home. That's I, always I examined a bit the, of a kind of a, a, yeah efficient way of dealing with your time is to run to the track, yeah. be ready to warm up, and yeah, it just depends what you're bringing with you. You know, if you feel like you need to bring a drink or your change of shoes or whatever. Yeah, and um, the winter some people months, need of course, to bring I, a whole bag. Yeah. I drove, mm-hmm. I drove down, and I'm sure in the winter I would. Uh, I would uh, easily do my little shuffle home along the Alban Way. But I, I I, am, like loads of our listeners, fascinated by what the elites do. That's why Cahill Dennehy is going to be coming on to talk about this three-day trip that he took to Kenya. We're going to get him on the phone now in a moment. But first, Sonia, we're going to need your tip of the week. Tip of the week, tip of the week. Tip of the week, tip of the week, tip of the week, tip of the week. It's Sonia's tip of the week. Yeah, all right. Okay, well, hopefully we haven't um, covered this tip of the week already. I should really have a notebook and have them all listed down. Um, 
But I think because we were talking so much about the rain before, I suppose my tip of the week is to always have a peak hat for when you head out in the rain. And it acts like a shield when you're running so that the rain stays off your face and then you can just run along and you don't feel... I think when you have the rain coming into your eyes is the worst. When you have well, a peak cap on. I have a, um, I have you a, have a, little a look. question on this tip of the week because I uh, turned the house upside down before I left for that <laughs> run in the rain looking for my peaked hat of choice. And I wound up going out with some Boston Red Sox hat that I found. There's obviously some hats that are better than others, Sonia. What is the hat that you recommend? Do we need to go and spend money on a weather shieldy type hat? Or are we better off going with something super light that we don't mind getting soaked through? Yeah, no, you're 100% right there. And I have a whole series of hats as well. And, you know, you have the, the peak hat that you like to wear around that looks really cool. <laughs> and then you have the one that you save for your run. And um, I was when I was at Villanova last week, actually, I managed to pick up a hat. That was one of my um, things I was looking for was a, a hat for the rain. And they're not waterproof, but they're just a little bit more kind of, they're lighter mm. and they give you the sense that they might be for the rain. They have that kind of like, <laughs> like kind of rain jacket feel yeah, to yeah, them, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as soon as you wear them, they get soaked, but the peak, you know, never leaks as far as I know anyway. Yeah. Or maybe I haven't worn it enough out here. Well, maybe we'll so put a link in to, to the, the yeah, ones that you were thinking my of. My hat. I'll, show, I'll send you a picture of the one I have because it's actually got a little label on it as well. And, you know, sometimes they say storm fit or dry fit or just I know there's something on this hat, but Bit it's actually in Beaverton because I knew it was going to be a, a sunny weekend up here in Seattle. So I didn't bring my hat with me. <laughs> OK, well, let's go to the live line now. We've got Carl Dennehy waiting in the wings. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. Carl Dennehy is a freelance journalist, uh, once serious, now retired athlete who previously held the title of Irish Junior Cross Country Champion and twice raced European Cross Country. But since injury forced his retirement, his best athletic feat has been the Irish Beer Mile record. We'll talk about that a bit later. He now writes for a number of international publications in the running industry. He's won two sports writing awards awards, the Peter Bull Memorial Award in Ireland and the Wills Writing Award in the UK. And back home, you will know his writing from such publications as the Sunday Tribune, Irish Runner, and he has written for the Sunday Independent, the Irish Independent, the Guardian, the Independent in Britain. He's a regular contributor to Running Times, Runner's World, Running Blog Run, and the IAAF website, Cahill Dennehy. It is brilliant to have you on the show. I'm so excited to hear about your trip to Kenya. How are you? I'm very good. I'm still a bit jet lagged, so uh, or not jet lagged, I suppose. A uh, horse, as you can probably sound in my voice. I got a, a a cracker of a head cold the day after I arrived, which was probably from uh, being forced to be on Kenyan time when I was out there, get up at you know five in the morning and things like that to try and follow some of the athletes. But uh, and then yeah, a good twenty four hour journey back from Kenya through the night. So I think my immune system didn't like me too much, but. Uh, yeah, amazing experience and slowly getting over that cold. So very I mean, much well worth the trip. I know, Sonia, you've got as many questions as I do. But like, surely the first one, Cahill, has to be, when did the idea kind of come to you that I'm actually only going to go out 
and see the LeBron James of marathoning and get into what this looks like? Yeah, I suppose it kind of it, it fell into my lap, really. Um, I'd always wanted to do it. About four years ago, I had gone to Kenya with World Athletics and I'd covered the World Under-18 Championships. And I'd kind of, often if I might go somewhere like that, that's a good kind of place for work. I'd often add on a kind of a little holiday at the end of it. And back then, I added on a week and went up to E10 and stayed at Lorna Kiplegat's camp up there because I just always wanted to see E10. And I saw brother Colum O'Connell's camp as well, his St. Patrick's school and stuff. And I kind of, that ignited really, like that was the most, as a distance running nerd, that very much was the most enjoyable trip I'd ever been on in my life, really. And I, I kind of was taken completely by the Kenyan people, by the, you know, the culture up around there, the running lifestyle, the the scenery. It was just spectacular for a running nerd to witness. So I'd always wanted to go back. And I think in the years since I had, uh, I, I'd written a lot about Elliot Kipchoge. I'd always wanted to do that visit. But as his management had previously explained to me, ever since he broke the world record in 2018, the media demands on him are just absurd, really, and they have to very much limit it. Um, So even though I'd interviewed him a lot, they had said to me, you know, one of his manager had said to me, you know, you should come out and visit sometime. But they have now condensed those media, media access, I guess, to once a year in general, whereby they now the last two or three years will pick one week of the year where they invite a group of international media. And thankfully this year, it was around the time of the Tokyo Olympics, someone from his management agency said, do you want to come on the media kind of for the media week this year? And so I looked into it, talked to a few different outlets, kind of got a feel as a freelancer as you do for whether you can cover your costs and all the rest of it when you're paying your own flights and stuff. And thankfully, it did kind of make sense economically. And obviously, you know, from a personal point of view and professional point of view, it made total sense as well for me to take the opportunity really to go and see, you know, because I'd written about him a lot from afar and over the phone. But I think, you know, you can never truly understand how they operate until you see it for yourself. And I think it was definitely a a hugely eye-opening and enlightening experience to be there and just to talk not just to Eli Kipchoge himself but to talk to his training partners to talk to the physio the strength and conditioning coach and his coach and the management and pick up a lot of the things you probably wouldn't pick up just by talking to him over well, the phone Sonia was the one that switched me on to you being there to start with Sonia you were the one that was like check out these posts from inside <laughs> the camp of Iliad in our beloved Invincibles <laughs> going out for his his easy run in the morning what what would be your main curiosity Sonia here given that the topic of our podcast today is what people can learn from the likes of Iliad Kipchoge what would be the the, when you're glued to these updates are you interested in in seeing and learning well I I think it's just getting an insight into kind of behind the scenes you know and seeing what the best athletes in the world do and you know I mean I, I suppose I've been there myself but you know, in different countries, people do things differently. And in Kenya, particularly, you know, the running and how they get together as a group. And it just seems to kind of flow naturally, I think, is the thing that mm. we kind of have to have it a bit more structured. Whereas I think they're very natural, um, the Kenyan runners. And, you know, from training with them myself in the past, you, you get the sense, and Carl, I'd be interested to see what you think about this. Like when they do their track session and then they go home my sense is that they never take the track session home that they kind of leave what they've done at the track and they don't seem to be ever get as bothered about things as you would see i suppose western athletes where they come home and they analyze things and Mm. you know it's kind of like 
one run affects the next run. Whereas my sense is the Kenyans often, they just kind of put it to bed and move on to the next run the next day and not worry about what they did yesterday. I do think that, yeah, that definitely does seem, and again, I, I my experiences are so much smaller than, I guess, the amount of time you'll have had both running against them and training with them, you know, and sure through the 90s with Kim McDonald's group and all that, like, but from my impression, yeah, I guess that is certainly a factor. They do seem to just be able to flick a switch whereby they switch on for training and then it's, it's almost, you know, even though they're so professional in their ability to rest, whereby they're, they're literally doing nothing for most of the day between runs and they're resting so well, they don't seem to get too hung up in it and I, I definitely think there is something from my impression anyway that you mentioned at the start there about the kind of being in tune almost with themselves and with their bodies you know I, I like you just mentioned going on those easy runs you know you see them starting off the easy runs and you'd always hear about the Kenyan shuffle but it's just astonishing to see just how slow it is you know it really, really? is you said it was comically slow is what you described in one of your articles <laughs> how yeah, slow is I this thought- shuffle you know, because I think like Kipchoge himself, they, they barely even take note of it. Their GPSs are monitoring, but they wouldn't even, you know, really say how fast it is because it's just recovery. But then I asked the Spanish guy, Mark, who's their strength and conditioning coach, and he's a 217 marathoner um, as well. Like how just how fast are these runs? You know, and he said the first kilometer is about 520 to 530. And then the last kilometer of those say 10K runs would be about 420. And he said on, a, on an afternoon run, they never go below four minutes a kilometer, which for the caliber of athlete they are whereby you know Kipchoge races at 250 a kilometer in a marathon to go to never go below four minutes on his easy run like it just shows you that they do genuinely treat it as an easy run and I think just that ability whereby I think an American or a European runner might do you know like say we're doing 10k in you know be it five minutes a kilometer whatever it is even if it's a recovery run and we're not caring about the pace we we have a habit i think of starting at five minutes a kilometer and finishing at five minutes a kilometer even though the pace is essentially irrelevant you're just trying to cover the volume whereas i think in kenya they are so much more in tune with their bodies whereby they do approach to run as in okay i'm pretty fried from this morning's track session or yesterday's long run I'm just going to start at a crawl because this is what my body wants to do is to start mm. at a crawl and then slowly build into it. And, you know, they might be running an OK pace by the end of it, but they're certainly listening to their body in that sense. Whereas I think we're slaves to our watches a lot of the times and we think, <laughs> oh, I can't possibly run that slow, even though sometimes that's what our bodies are telling us. And that's your lot if you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you'd like to come over and hear the rest of this conversation with Cahill and Sonia, this is a lot of fun as we get deep into the Kipchoge training camp. Come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad to hear the rest and Excel versions of all of our episodes. That's patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. <laughs>